0: Hey, I'm Leah Amico, three-time Olympic gold medalist with USA Softball, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin.
1: Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue Podcast, We talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world, representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled to have each and every one of you with us today. And as you heard from that introduction, I have the infamous Leah Amico. Leah, how are you?
0: I'm doing great today, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
1: You bet. You bet. Now, folks, I'm super excited to have Leah here, first and foremost, because she was probably the first softball player I ever saw in the Olympics on TV. So that's super cool for me. So like when I watched the Olympics and I saw softball for the first time, I remember seeing Leah. So that's really cool. But the fact that not only was she in one Olympics, not two, but three and one gold in all of them. I mean, wow. So we're definitely going to talk about what it takes to be that kind of person. But let's go a little deeper for those of you who don't know Leah. As she says, she's a three-time Olympic gold medalist with USA softball, two-time world champion, national softball Hall of Fame inductee in 2009, uh, three-time national champion with the University of Arizona. Uh, now, this, these next two, I think, are very, very impressive. She's a three-time, uh, let me make sure I get this right, first-team All-American and also a three-time first-team All-Academic. Is that right?
0: Yes, I somehow, some way, even though school was not easy for me, I became a three-time first-team academic All-American. And one year was, you know, like player of the year for the academic part, which absolutely shocked me. <laughs>
1: That's fantastic. I love to see that because folks, she was like every other college student who still had to go to class, but then she had the playing and the practicing on top of all of that. So much, much more involved in order to get to that high academic level. So kudos to you, Leah, for doing that. Oh, goodness. Let's see. What else do I have on here? There's so many things. Um, Highest batting average in the College World Series. Wow. Hello. You've been a professional speaker for 20 years. You're a college softball analyst with ESPN and Westwood One Sports. But I suspect the last two titles that you hold are most important to you, and that's wife and mom.
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, you do all these things, you win these awards, you experience great success. But at the end of the day, who do you come home to, you know, and who Mm -hmm. do you share those greatest moments with? And for me, my family, my husband of 24 years, Tommy, and my three sons um, just really have been my heart.
1: Yeah. And by the way, happy anniversary, because number 24 just happened not that long ago, correct?
0: Yes, just last month. It was our (laughs) 24th anniversary.
1: That's fantastic. I love hearing that. So. Good job. Way to go.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: You bet. You bet. So take us back a little bit. Um, I guess the first and most logical question to ask is, how did you even get into softball? How does somebody just say, this is the thing that I need to be doing?
0: You know, my parents signed me up when I was seven years old and I was super athletic, like athletic, but like active. I just was, <laughs> I was the first born, first born of three. Yeah. And my dad loved baseball, but he, he didn't have, you know, much support and wasn't able to play a lot. And so they just signed me up both softball and soccer that same year. Cool. But I, I just took to it so much. My dad told me that they would say, we could tell you've been practicing with Leah. And he's like, no, I, I haven't been. She, They just, they thought, wow, like she's really been working hard. So that next year, because I was a lefty, they said, you should get her in pitching lessons. And this, I was just mm. thinking about this the other day. My parents at a time where people did not do lessons, it actually shocks me. My dad, yeah. he doesn't like to spend much money. So imagine the cost, the time, it was far away. Nobody did it back in the day. Wow! But he, he would drive 45 minutes and take me to my pitching lessons. And I mm-hmm. think back and I'm like, that was the difference maker. I got the start ever. And then just from there, it just took off.
1: Wow. Love that. Love that. Yeah. It, it seems like for, for many people who experience some level of success, there is something in their background. And usually it's at least one and hopefully both parents that are right there supporting as much as they can.
0: For sure. I For me, I feel like their their support, them being at so many of my events, it really impacted not only who I was and who I became, um, but who I wanted to be as a mom too. and not mm-hmm. wanting to go and go into something, um, you know, to where I wouldn't be around. I, I really wanted to keep my kids a priority while I was raising them. And that's been the biggest blessing that I've been able to do and be a part of their sports. And although I travel and speak and do things, I was also a homeschool mom for 13 years. been very involved in bringing them up. So it's, it's been the biggest blessing.
1: Wow. Now that's a, that's a brave choice. That's uh. now if you said you did that for 13 years, I'm guessing that's before, you know, this huge wave of people who have gotten into it because of, you know, pandemic and things like that. So you were doing it long before that, correct?
0: Oh yeah. Long before it. And gosh, I think, um, probably 2006, I think I started. And so I remember uh, when the pandemic hit, my youngest was in um, in eighth grade and I was still homeschooling him. I remember thinking like, oh, it's so much harder even for the ones that have kids at home now that are trying to do school on the computer than just homeschooling your own kid. Like that's way yeah. easier, you know? And sure. so, um, yeah, so it, it was, yeah, I've, I've been doing it a long time. My oldest was in kindergarten in trouble every single day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I remember God. thinking, uh Oh, like he had ADHD and just mm-hmm. wouldn't get any work done. And I'm like, I know he's a smart kid. And so just for him, I just ended up bringing him him home. And then it just kind of every year I took it one, one year at a time, one year, my kids went to a, a program three days a week. And then I just did whatever the teacher told me the other two. And they always took classes outside, even on days that I, you know, when I homeschooled or years when I did. Um, Mm -hmm. so uh, definitely a big learning experience, um, but I could offer advice to anybody that needs it these
1: days. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm sure that you have, or at least have had people who've asked you about that. It's like, Hey, how did you do it? How do you get started? Um, what do I need to watch out for that sort of thing? Because, you know, there's a difference between kids being at home because of pandemic and doing work and being homeschooled, uh, because the the ones that that I knew, now you need to understand, I'm 52 years old. And so I knew kids who were homeschooled and whatever normal, your definition of normal is, they were nowhere near that. Seriously, I mean, they, they were so, so isolated and stuff. I, I know it's not like that anymore, but back then it was. And so yeah. to tell somebody that you were homeschooled, I mean, you might as well just put a big sticker across your head that says, leper, stay away. Seriously. It was well, so... Ed.
0: My sister-in-law started homeschooling my niece um, just a couple years before I homeschooled her her daughters. My niece is a little bit older than my son. And um, some, you know, extended family were like, oh, they're going to be weirdos. And she said, you know what I figured out? There's just weirdos in school and homeschool. It just depends <laughs> on the family and the kid. And so I laughed because my, you know, and then this is this, this how you know there's still that stigma, though, even though so many more people are doing it and people will probably be shocked. Literally, um, one of the teachers when they got to, to school, because now they both go to a local high school, and they mm. said, oh, you wouldn't even know they were
1: homeschooled. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So,
0: so obviously, well, there's a, a thought still about that.
1: There is. There is. But I'll tell you what, when you get to the next level, when you get to the college level, every admissions person I've ever met all says, if you've been homeschooled, you're in. They they don't even have to look. They know it because <laughs> they're they're better prepared. They are. They know the stuff better. I mean, I'm not telling you something you don't already know, but it's, I mean, testing is much better. Um, their ability to comprehend, hang on to it long-term is better. They seem to, in general, be better adjusted to just life. Um, and, and I'll tell you, the thing that that's that I've always admired is the fact that everything you do can be for school. So if you're going to the store, you could be doing math lessons. You could be doing science lessons. You could be doing all kinds of things while you're in the store doing your thing. And it's, oh, yeah. it's like, it didn't used to be that way though.
0: Yeah. We believe me, we had a few beach days that we were working hard at, you know, nice. figuring out stuff with the the water and the tide. And my husband would give me the hardest time ever, but I'm like, no, watch their test scores are going to be good.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I love that. You know? And, and so so much now that there's like co-ops where you have like parents who have specialties in certain things. And it's like, okay, I'll take the kids because math is my thing and you can take the kids because science is your thing. And I, I love that. I love that it makes more of a community feel, you know, and again, the kids get to have that interaction with other kids at the same time.
0: Oh yeah. We had, we had so much community. I mean, besides nice. my kids taking classes, we, we did that. I, my, my uh, first time was, Was in second grade, we did a co-op at my house and different Mm. same thing. Somebody taught science and somebody, you know, did PE, and we we just did different topics and um and I loved it. I loved for the kids getting together. They looked forward to it, but then they learned something that was outside like outside of learning from me. They were learning from somebody else, and so just yeah, so many great things. Um, it did allow us flexibility. We took a field trip. My husband's from Boston. We went to, you know, Plymouth Rock and got to learn a lot of history out there and Paul Revere Trail and. So many mm. different things. So I, I loved, I look back at those years and I knew as hard as it was on some days, I mm. remember thinking, I'll never regret this time that I've devoted to my children. Um, mm. And now they're busy, they're in sports, they're in school, they're about to graduate in a couple of years. And I'm like, I just, yeah. I'm so thankful for that time.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, treasure that stuff because I mean, when they're gone, it's, it's quiet.
0: It's Oh, no, definitely. <laughs> I've told my... <laughs> my son, after he started going to school and then football practices, I literally would be like, I miss you. Like
1: <laughs> I've you
0: all the time to never seeing you. And so, um, now I'm used to it a little bit more. You get ready for that next season in life. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just, I cherish those memories we had.
1: Gotcha. All right. So tell us a little bit about your progression. So you get into softball when you're seven, the next year, your dad takes you to lessons. um, what what was it like? I mean, how do you go from that to becoming an Olympic champion? I mean, well, it's, it was definitely because because obviously there's not a lot of people who can do that.
0: Yeah, it was a progression for sure. Made all stars, um, was very competitive, loved to win, loved to compete. I was a pitcher, mm. and then got into high school. And that around that time with travel ball, my first year of high school, um, went to Chattanooga, Tennessee for a travel ball tournament and won nationals and Mm. We're, you know, the number one team in the nation. I remember being 14 and thinking like, okay, maybe there's more. And around that time had some, you know, friends, parents, um, you know, saying, Hey, you you know, you could get a college scholarship. And Mm. I didn't know a lot about that. My parents, nobody, your college, we didn't, we didn't know. And so just different coaches and different, you know, families, they were just giving advice and that became the goal was a college scholarship. I thought Mm. that was it. Get to the university of Arizona, get a scholarship. Win a national championship my freshman year, and I think, oh my gosh, like this nothing (laughs) is better than this. Like this is what it's all about, right? Get my education paid for, and little did I know, you know, another opportunity would come because when I was at Arizona after my freshman year, they said in three years softball is going to be in the Olympics for the first time ever, Mm -hmm. and that was it. That was the new goal. That was the dream. That was the focus, and um, I was one of fifteen women named to the first ever Olympic softball team in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, and then you experience that and you're like, well, I never want this to end. <laughs> <laughs> so I graduated college and got married and went to another Olympics. And then I actually became a mom because I wanted to be a mom, but I still wanted to play and had my son, Jake. And then when he was three, I won my last gold medal. And then I retired and said, mm-hmm. okay, time for more kids. So that was the progression, but my love, my passion was huge. And then It was the fact of like who I was surrounded by, the teammates I had, the coaches I had, like that is what elevated me to that elite level.
1: Now that very first Olympic team that you were on, how many of your University of Arizona teammates were on that team with you?
0: None. There were no Arizona athletes until my third Olympics and none of them were my teammates. They were younger. Well, I mean, you would have graduated
1: long after or long before that. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Wow. All right. The only reason I ask is because I have another friend who's kind of big in the softball world in Arizona. And she just, she's told me many times what a hotbed it is for softball. So that's the only reason it I
0: ask. It is. Asked. Yeah, it is. And a couple years, um, a couple Olympics later, Jenny Finch and Lovey Jung from Arizona both made the team. Um, but it was UCLA, which was the team that had by far the most players. Um, from different generations and they really were the dynasty before I got to Arizona. Then Arizona came really strong on the scene. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I was the only Arizona player for the first two.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now what I'm about to ask is it applies to what you did in order to get to the Olympics and stay for three of them. But it, I think it also applies to how you were able to transition in life. So I want to know what does it take to become a gold medal champion? Because I guarantee you the entrepreneurs who are listening and watching this right now, Leah, are thinking, okay, she's accomplished something I never have. And I have big goals. I have big dreams for my business, but I might not know exactly how to get there. So I guess my question to you is, how do you translate that kind of tenacity and how to get there? How do you take that success and turn around and put it into other areas of life?
0: I talk about it a little bit with the gold standard because I talk about that elite level. What does that look like? Well, let's jump in. Let's
1: talk about the gold standard then.
0: Yeah. So I do. This is what I talk about. I talk about the three R's and the first one is being reliable. I really believe the fact that I showed up every single day, but not just showed up, showed up and gave my best. Now, some days Mm. it probably wasn't that great, but it was my best. And I think when you do that day after day after day, that that alone is the reason I was an academic All-American. Again, it Mm. didn't come easy for me. But I'll tell you, I did every single assignment given to me and I studied every single time I had a test and it paid off. And softball, I learned Mm. and I, you know, I struggled and I went through ups and downs, but I was stubborn. And so I just kept showing up and kept showing up. And so when you're reliable, you learn, you grow, you, you make strides, you are trustworthy to those that are over you. My coaches, I think they knew, Okay, here's what we get with her. Reliable not only with my work ethic and how hard I try, but also my attitude because that plays into it too. Mm. You getting better and then those around you getting better. So am I reliable like somebody that people can you know, turn to when things aren't going well or they can look to and then them to me as well and, and just being able to be that person. So re- being reliable. Second one is resilient. And with being resilient, like we need that. Perseverance is a massive. In softball, in baseball, failure is a big part of our game. And yeah. and this, if you t- if you talk to anybody that's successful, they will talk about this. Being able to fail forward. Mm. Failure does not stop you if you will learn from it and grow, but, but it stops a lot of people. So you already have an advantage. If failure, if you can use it to move forward and to grow from, then that resilient piece. So just, and refusing to give up. I, again, I'm stubborn. And so I think that worked (laughs) to my favor, um, because I'm competitive and stubborn. And so it was like, never enough. Like I can always be better. I can always be better. And I still think I'm better than you, even on my worst day. Like those were Mm. things that being resilient, right. That type of mindset. And then the last one, um, the last R is relatable. And to me, I feel like I looked back and I was like, you know what? I mentioned that my teammates and my coaches. So could I work with others and again, bring out my best self, but help them to bring out theirs because it doesn't matter if I was the best player on the team and my teammates aren't their best. So I want to be that player. I'm one of four women who have three Olympic gold medals, one of four in the world for softball. And I'll tell Mm -hmm. you, like, what is that? They were, they were stronger than me. They were faster than me. They were, you know, had a lot of qualities I didn't have, but I will tell you on every team that I was, I really believe I was a glue. I think I was positive. I was encouraging. Mm -hmm. I brought energy. I was an example. I led by my example on the field. And so how do I relate to other people? And, and then my coaches, like even that, like, Does coach want to call on me, you know, when the game's online? Does coach want to put me in that position? Because, you know, there's a lot of players that I played with who, man, they look stellar in practice. But when competition came, Mm -hmm. no, they would take pressure. Right. What do you do in pressure? Right. So my coach is in that relationship and then being coachable with that. That relatability also adds in that coaching. And I don't know about you, John, but I I want to be my best. So I want to learn from whoever I can. If people have done great things, tell me all that I need to do and I will put it into action. And so mm-hmm. that relatability. So reliable, resilient, and relatable. And I really believe those are some core components of the gold standard.
1: For sure. For sure. You know, you mentioned something earlier that's super, super important. And I I talk about with frequency on the show. I talk about failing. And that failing is a necessary ingredient to success. That no one who succeeds at anything gets there perfectly. It's not possible. Because if you want to learn, you got to fail. Um, you know, one other thing that, that there's I get in trouble sometimes when I say this, Leah, because it bothers some people, but I tend to not let that bother me, that it bothers others. I just say it anyway. It's semantics, but I think there's an important differentiation between failing and failure. To my way of thinking, they're two very different things. Failing means I tried something new. I didn't do it right. I have the opportunity to learn from it. Failure, on the other hand, I see as a, it's a state of being. It's an active choice to stay stuck. Now, if someone is failing and is willing to learn from it, I can help that person all day long. But if they're choosing to stay where they are and refusing to put the work in to get better, I can't help that person. I just can't. And so I know that I have had teammates in my past who were like that, who just refused, absolutely refused to try something new, something different to get better, to try and improve in something. And unfortunately, at a certain point, and it doesn't matter if it's a teammate, if it's a client um even if it's a family member, sometimes you have to wash your hands up and say, "Okay, I'm done. I've tried. you know I'm available if you're willing to put the work in now did you ever experience that with any of your teams that had teammates that just who weren't willing to put or to even try something different in order to get better
0: yeah i i we had we had a few. Um, but they didn't last very long. <laughs> Some no, of them, you know, point. like at that level, <laughs> at the higher levels I went, especially, but what I would say is I've actually coached. I've coached at high school level. I coached mm. the in pro league a little bit. And mm-hmm. what I would say is that I saw a little bit of that when, and what happens, they make excuses. You step in advice, you see them failing over and over. And, you know, it's one thing not to know what to do. And it's another, not to receive, you know, advice on what to do. Yeah. Just mentioned. And I think, you know those people or even recently somebody that I was also giving advice to and not that they have to only take my advice but I saw the the resistance and I thought okay well this person's going to stay stuck exactly what you just said yeah. and it this is like you just mentioned this this pertains to every aspect of life our relationships our family environment our you know education settings our work settings it it relates to everything um and so it is very important to think how you know, how we respond, how we receive things, and, and are we willing to learn from our mistakes?
1: For sure. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast, which is not surprisingly called the Gold Standard Podcast. <laughs> now, you when you originally started it, by the way, how long ago did you start?
0: Um, Last June.
1: Okay, so not quite a year yet. No. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, but originally, you the intention was to do interviews with other Olympians, professional athletes, that sort of thing, to learn about what is it that they've done to be successful on and off the field. Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, that's what it was all about. Like, what is that gold standard to you? What does it mean to you? And then, how do you, you know, display the goal setting, overcoming obstacles, that perseverance piece? And then, yeah, what it what did it look like for greatness? And and how did that transfer? Like you just said, after you finished your career, what does that look like in real life?
1: Mm-hmm. But more recently, you've decided to go a slightly different direction with your podcast. Tell us more about that and why the change.
0: Yeah. So I was at an event in October speaking and we had done um, a season, of interviewing these athletes and, and getting their, you know, getting their stories out there. And, you know, we had some good feedback as well. It was going well. Um, but I was speaking and Johnny Dumas who, um, you know, is just a, an entrepreneur who started in the podcast business early on and really just, um, you know, he has a podcast every single day and it's all about entrepreneurship and he brings on guests all the time. So he asked me um, what I did and what my goals were. And when he heard, he just, you know, said, you know, I'd love to encourage you. Maybe you can still tie some of those in, but um, if people enjoy what you're doing and you're going to go out and speak more and more now that my boys are a little bit older, I'm, I'm working, you know, on kind of building my own brand and things that I've done for over 20 years, but actually making it more full time he mm-hmm. just said, you know, they're going to want to hear your advice. If they go on and all they ever hear are other people on your podcast, then they're not going to hear your voice, wisdom you have to share. And so, um so I am mixing in, I I'm going to continue to mix in pro athletes um and a week a lot shorter. Um there it's 5 5 to 10 minutes and I share, you know, just tips and wisdom on what the gold standard is all about and how to apply it in real life situations.
1: Okay. Great.
0: So I Started out by interviewing athletes and hearing their stories, but I I changed it up a little bit to do three days a week instead of once a week releasing episodes, uh, because John Lee Dumas, who is just um you know master podcaster, he started ten years ago and just a guru really in that field, has podcasts every single day. He had asked me about what I was doing, and so um, I shared with him, and he just told me, you know. Um, People are going to want to hear if you're going to be speaking and sharing. They're going to want to come to your podcast and hear more of your wisdom and tips that you're sharing about the gold standard. So I'm kind of mixing it in. You know, I'll continue to do Mm -hmm. some interviews and have episodes with, you know, athletes. And he did make this one comment. And, John, I know you can relate to this. He Mm. said, because, you know, it's hard to get people to get your schedules with them and their schedules with them and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: get the editing. And than me just doing a 10 minute podcast by myself sharing some wisdom like it's way harder. So. I will continue to add some of the episodes in, but for now, um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I do three three days a week of just you know five to fifteen minute episodes of sharing about the gold standard and tips that people can apply to their lives.
1: Nice, I like that, and I would encourage you to definitely keep it a mix because what people are used to from you, that's what's going to keep those people coming. So, so I, I would encourage you not to completely get away from that so your voice definitely needs to be prominent but having those other voices in there my suspicion is that they're going to echo much of what you're saying and that yes. that can only make you look good
0: yes that's true good point
1: so food for thought anyway um I've got as folks know I do my research ahead of time so sometimes I have to go back to my notes and check some things here um you know let's I want to talk about transitions for just a minute So. You're playing softball. You become a one-time Olympic champion, then a two-time Olympic champion, but you're married now. And then you get ready for the third one, and you're a mom at this point, and you become a three-time Olympic champion. What made you decide to hang up your cleats, and what was that transition like for you from being essentially a pro athlete to the next step in life for you? was it difficult? What did you do?
0: Yeah. So I did go through those different seasons and I thought originally I would go and become a teacher after I was done with college. I, you know, thought I'd be in the school system and, um, and you know, there were different plans. I did a little substitute teaching when I was first married, when I was home and, but I was traveling so much, you know, I I was gone. And so I started doing lessons like softball lessons in between (laughs) while training. That's very, very natural for athletes um you know olympians especially to try to make an income but it has to be flexible around their training schedule as well as clinics i would do and and a little Mm -hmm. bit of speaking um and so when i got done one reason i just i just knew it was time with my family the sacrifice Mm -hmm. started being too much and um and i was ready to have more kids and i knew i wanted more than one more kid (laughs) so i knew what it took having one and continue to compete and so i ended up having my two sons afterwards and i knew i was ready athletes, you know, were just coming up faster and stronger and, you know, I was getting (laughs) older and a little bit slower. And so, um, so anyways, I I knew it was time. I knew in my heart, like the passion was like, I was ready almost. And you know, it's interesting. A lot of athletes after the Olympics, after pro ball, they literally are like, now what your identity almost is gone. I was thankful in college that my faith, um, I just, I became strong in my faith and it helped me throughout my entire career Mm. to find my identity, not in what I did on a softball field, but instead in who God said I was. And I'll tell you, I really believe the transition for me, a lot of people go into depression afterwards. I was excited. I literally had three oh. gold medals, but I was like, now what? What's <laughs> next? Like yeah. I'm excited for something new and different. And <laughs> so I had my two sons that kept me a little busy for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then I just, I just, it's like I didn't take any time off. I went into speaking and traveling and clinics and and that literally and then homeschooling i mean it's just it's just been one amazing thing after another i would laugh because at the end of the year i would do like this christmas letter and i'd be like oh and this year i want to go medal." and then this year i had a son and and this year i'm on team usa again and i every year it was like i'm like oh man these are going to be hard to beat one day <laughs> but then i had another son and then i had another son i just there were all these like highlights happening all the time and mm. You know, they just changed. They became more family oriented and, yeah. you know, more local with opportunities. But honestly, I just I am so blessed. I'm so grateful for for all the opportunities I've had. I, I just anything that comes, I I can find joy in it.
1: Oh, that's a terrific trait. I, I wish that there were more people who had that ability or at least tried to We'll put it that way. <laughs> and that's that's another one. You know, we were talking about definitions just a little while ago. Um, difference between happiness and joy. It's almost the same thing as the difference between failing and failure. Happiness, the actual definition of happiness or happy is happenstance. It's dependent upon the situation. Mm-hmm. So if things are good, then I'm happy. If they're bad, I'm not. Joy, on the other hand, is an active choice. You can be in the midst of the worst stuff that's happening in your entire life and still have joy.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I think that is something I've seen it around me. And that is something I want to have in my life as well. And, you know, I think, again, like when you have really good foundations, it's it's easier to do that and you get perspective, you know, and I think a lot sure. of people, um, yeah, they don't. We might look around and compare and just always find reasons to be negative and, and not <laughs> content. And I think contentment goes with joy as well.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Let's dig a little deeper into the, your faith, because for some people, they're, they can be turned off by that because that's not their thing. Um, I, I proudly tell people all the time, I am a Jesus follower. I don't throw it in people's faces, but I am. Uh, I've been in some form of ministry since 1989. And so I'm, I'm all in, have been my whole life. It's not a part of who I am. It is who I am. It permeates everything. With that thought in mind, when did your faith journey begin? What kind of an impact has your faith had both on your softball career, as well as your life after softball?
0: Yeah, in in college. I mean, I I grew up hearing about Jesus, and I I thought I was following God, but I didn't know the Bible at all. And so I just kind of made up God in my own image, you know, and mm. tried to be a good person. I actually thought I was good <laughs> until I learned what the Bible said. And I was like, oh, I'm so not good. <laughs> and it was college, and it was, it was a teammate who just was on fire for Jesus. Mm. And um, I just saw love in action, really love in action. And that's, you know, so I went to Bible study with her and I realized God just showed me like, I didn't know him like I thought I did. And so I just, that began my journey of just saying, yes, God, I want to follow you. And, um, it just gave me more purpose, more perspective. Um, just really the passion I had for my sport. I realized it came from him and the talent. But then when I was that passionate about Jesus, I realized, and like i really can make a difference um and be here whether people agree with the same thing as me or not like i can still love them i can still you know be an example and and they can believe whatever they want and i you know i'll just still love them and so um that carried you know with me through my kind of my growing was through the olympic years
1: mm-hmm. but it
0: just solidified to like having um children and realizing i want to raise them to know this cuz i didn't you know mm-hmm. know this as much and when i was growing up and so um, you know, it's led to not only all the different opportunities and things that we've done that I've done, but, you know, we go and feed homeless um, mm-hmm. twice a month for about mm. so my kids homeschooling that allowed us to do that. They would go with me, went to Mexico to some orphanages. Like we just we just really tried to live it out in every way to serve, to help others. Um, and to this day, you know, again, I feel like my identity is um, in who God says I am. I'm a child of God and I love Jesus with all my heart. And truly believe like, um, you know, he, he puts people on our path and puts us in for a reason. And so, um, my goal is to, to shine, shine as much as I can for the Lord.
1: Well, it, uh, it comes through <laughs> and in everything you say and in, and in your demeanor, You're very much. You. Done. You're welcome. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, the two books that you've written. Uh, they're both devotionals, correct?
0: Yes, they are. Yep.
1: Okay. Um, I want to make sure, I think I wrote the titles. I know I did. I wouldn't be doing my research if I didn't. Um, Well, shoot, rather than me searching and make everybody listen to me search, let's just talk about these two books, because you took a slightly different approach to, you know, not only your first book, but your first two. I mean, most people, when they jump into writing a book, especially someone who's a one of four people in the entire world, who is a three-time Olympic gold medalist in softball, not what I would have expected from you at first. So why the decision to go that route on both of those books and more of what they're about. Help us understand that.
0: Yeah, when I first, when I, um, I do a lot of speaking, a lot of people would say like, have you written a book? You should write a book. You should write a book. And, yeah. and I would get started a couple of times and I even had like one where I did like 13 you know, chapters and, and then I just, wow. it's like I just dropped it and I let it go. And I don't know, mm. it was just weird and I just never followed through with it. And then somebody a few years back said, hey, have you ever thought about writing a softball devotional? Well, I would do, um, camps with Jenny Finch, my Olympic teammate, who's kind of like our famous softball player. And, um, and if you don't know Jenny Finch, Google her, you'll be like, oh, okay. Oh, she's, yeah. she's just amazing, amazing person. And at her camps we would do on Sunday morning, she would have me lead devotions mm. and for anybody that wanted to come early. And so basically I didn't done this probably 80 times at this point. I was like, oh, I should have just wrote those down. I did so many <laughs> of them and they're always different. Whatever our verses I would kind of feel like that week, I just wanted to impact these athletes. So I would tie in softball and then faith together, like here's a softball Hmm. story, but here's a faith truth that can go with that. So I did that with my first devotional. Um, it's called softball glory and God's story. And the whole idea was, you Hmm. know, taking my stories from national championships, Olympics, different experiences growing up and tying that into teamwork. And what does that look like in faith and in softball, the mindset and mental game? What does that look like in softball and in our faith? You know, um, you know, David versus Goliath, kind of like being the underdog, what does that look like? And how, when we won't give up, like God really can lift us. And so I did that with my first book and then COVID hit and I did my second devotional. This is one cover, if you're watching the video of my cool. victorious year long devotional, but I also have a, uh, they have two covers. If you go on Amazon, they're both on there. But when I was home with COVID, I just, I think like a lot of people, I just feel like a lot of people were scared, were hopeless, hopeless, were, um, just needed encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so God's word is where I find it. So I ended up going through and writing one verse a day. But the thing about this devotion was the verse went with that day. So if it's January 1st, 1-1, I found a verse. So let me see what January 1st is. It is John 1-1. And so the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And like, let me see, on 8-14, August 14th is Romans 8-14. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So I would just take a verse. And then just write like a little tiny paragraph about it. So what I mm-hmm. love is this devotional has gone to some people who um, are just hearing or maybe they don't know God's word at all. And they're not believers, but just to give them that one verse a day of encouragement. And mm-hmm. that was my hope, like through COVID and through, you know, a lot of like, you know, people being isolated and stuff. So that's what both of those are. They're both on Amazon, Softball Glory and God's Story, which is a 31 day devotional. And then Victorious, which is a year-long daily devotional with a short, uh, one verse and a thing. One, one um, thing is cool. I was just at Grace Chapel or Grace College in um, Indiana, Wynonna mm. Lake, Indiana, speaking this past week at, at their chapel and to their softball team. And come to find mm. out that's the song doing my devotional. Basically, right now, that's their faith aspect where I have questions in there that they're able to answer oh, amongst nice. each other. And they're doing my devotion. So it's pretty cool. That is
1: cool. You know, it's 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 always nice to know that something you do is having an impact and you actually can see it. It makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. to just hear feedback, I've had a couple of people and it shocks me. Somebody I didn't know came up to me at the college uh, coaches convention in Texas in December. And she said, my niece is doing your devotion and it's really impacted her. And so mm-hmm. those types of things, I know a book can go where you can't. I do want to write a book about the gold standard and tie in a little bit of my story, mm-hmm. but more importantly, those principles. That you know, I really want to speak on more um, just people because I've seen it impact me as a stay at home mom. Well, I don't know if I was really ever truly staying at home all the time, but I was homeschooling. <laughs> but then also as a commentator, as a speaker, mm-hmm. as a softball clinician, as a coach that I've been working with um, Israel softball the past couple summers, mm-hmm. all the different things that I've done, I've just really realized that it's it, there's core characteristics that we carry, and it can just impact us in a positive way.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, are those some of those core characteristics that we talked about just a little bit ago—the three R's?
0: Yes, the, those are, and and there's some more too, but the, those are really the core pieces of it. Is and you know, and again, with that gold standard, it's kind of an acronym: G, goal setting; O, overcoming obstacles; L for leadership, and then D, dedication and drive. And so that's mm-hmm. that's also part
1: of it. Oh man, we could we could spend an entire other episode just going through each of those letters and digging deep into those. Mm. Don't worry, folks. The wheels of my mind are turning about maybe having Leah back when she gets that gold standard book done.
0: I know. To help
1: her promote it. And I'm going to talk to yes. her off air about this. That's a promise to all of you. <laughs> now, having said that, those of you who are regular listeners and viewers of this show, you know I can't go through an episode with someone who has written a book, in this case, two, and not do this thing. So here it is, folks. Here's my offer. The first person who hears this episode gets out their phone, takes a screenshot of that episode and tags Leah and me in Instagram, the first person to do that is going to get a signed copy of your choice. Either one of those books from Leah on me, my dime. I'll cover it. I'll get it to you. So first person to do that, it's yours. And she had no idea I was going to do that.
0: No, I did not. That's awesome. Sounds good.
1: Absolutely. We're definitely going to make that happen. All right, Leah. We talked about failing before. And so I, w- I want to ask the question. Tell me about a time when you failed really, really big. And what was the result?
0: Um, well, I, I failed when I was first moved from pitcher and first baseman to the outfield my sophomore year. My coach actually came to me and he said, you know what? We lost three senior outfielders. I know we recruited you to pitch, but we have three other pitch freshmen that come in. And he said, I need you to be our every day outflitter. Well, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you, I failed mm-hmm. a lot. I crashed and burned more times than I could count trying to dive for balls. I wanted to be the best out there. So I had to learn how to throw like an outflitter, not an infilter. My arm would, would hang on, you know, would just like hurt. I had to get the judgment down. So I failed over and over and over again, but I'm stubborn <laughs> and I wanted to be the best. And so I eventually, it started to click. My my throw started to be better. My arm didn't hurt anymore because I threw with, you know, better form because I had to work on that. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm diving and all of a sudden I'm, I'm able to catch a ball and just slide mm. through the grass and make a big out, but also not hurt my neck. And, and you know what it led to? It led to that's how I made the Olympic team. A year, a year after that, I'm on the Olympic team. Mm. I have been on the Olympic team as a first base or a pitcher at that time. I, I played in the Olympics. My, Um, a first base in my last Olympics and went back to that position, but I played two Olympics in right field. And so failure prepared me because it opened more opportunities. Mm -hmm. And again, I could have said, no, I'm not an outfitter. I came here. I'm going to go to another school. I'm going to transfer because I want to pitch. And some people that's their choice. That's fine. But for me, I was like, I, I want to learn to be the best. This is new. It's different. It's hard, but, but I want to. So that when I think back on failure, I remember that season. It was hard to go back to the beginning at something when I felt like I was already at the top of my game. I'd taken pitching yeah. lessons since I was eight years old. Right. So like, you know, like I, I'm i at the top, I was on the top in the country. And then now to be like, no, you're not pitching anymore. My attitude mm. was 100% everything in that moment of, okay, wow. coach, I'm all in and I'm going to be the best wherever you put me.
1: Love that. Love that. Who's investing in you right now?
0: Oh, uh, well, my husband's always investing in me, but... <laughs> Yes, but, um, which i'm
1: glad to hear unfortunately not all wives can say that so that's yes. a good thing
0: oh no i'm very blessed i have to say he's one of my biggest fans and supporters um and As then he I, be. yeah i have um this uh gentleman brian post with major media league if you're watching the video you can kind of see it right mm-hmm. there major media league is a, a social media app that's coming soon for athletes high school and college athletes brian post though is a an entrepreneur who has mo- multiple businesses and just being around him, um, his wisdom, his belief in me, his support. He actually was the reason I started my podcast. Um, so his, him investing in me to encourage me to you know, support me through that process was huge. And then um, also a gentleman I'm working with on um, my speaking and just kind of continuing to build my brand. Um, it, you know, I just it, it's it's awesome to have Danny Brassell as, as kind of like a coach for me. And what I'm realizing Mm -hmm. is we really need coaches in all different aspects of our lives. And even if it's not a paid coach, um, we need those people that are, are leading us and guiding us. And I, you know, for, for others as well, but I'm fortunate to have people investing in me like you just said.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, how are you investing in yourself?
0: Oh, that's a hard question. (laughs) Um, well, so last year I was a part of Rise and Record Mastermind and been in a mastermind before that was brand new. I mean, I want to I'm gonna pause because that paused really quick. Okay. Last year I was in the Rise and Record Mastermind and that to me, I had never been in a mastermind before. And okay. so I, you know, I'm, that was an investment for sure. And then yeah. this year, um, you know, I am investing in, in trying to build my team. What I'm trying to do is build a team um, of people, uh, someone who's helping me with graphics and another person who's helping me with marketing and just building a team of people around me is, is how, how I am right now. And this is all new to me. <laughs> this yeah. is all new to me because I just have been used to for 20 years having people come and offer, can you come and speak to us? How much do you cost? We'll pay you. Come and uh, speak to us.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. You, you discover after a while, they don't keep coming. You have to figure out ways to go and get it, so <laughs> that's right, <laughs> for sure. What would you say is your top or number one daily habit?
0: just waking up and and praying and really mm-hmm. trying to set my mind right for the day, knowing that I might have my plan um kind of having my to do list you mm-hmm. know is is really my my main thing is knowing what the priorities are that day, but mm-hmm. then being open to things that maybe I'm not expecting, and wanting to be flexible. Some days I'm not able to be, but wanting to be flexible enough um, to be able to help people as things happen. So I just say, wake up, spend time in prayer, priority my list down, and then then go on my day.
1: What's your definition of success?
0: My definition of success is being able...
1: And what's your definition of success?
0: My definition of success is being able to do what I love and have the time that I desire with the people that mean the most to me. Mm. So I'm successful if I'm doing what I love, which I love to speak and I love to help others. Mm. And so, you know, as a job is pretty awesome. But then ultimately I don't want to be doing that so much that I'm not with my family. The whole reason I want to do those things is so that I can have times like my family and I went to Hawaii over Christmas break or just before Christmas and had that quality time. That's why, you know, I do what I do. And so for me being able to to have that time with those that I love the most. That freedom freedom yeah
1: for sure for sure i get that what do you have coming up that has you excited
0: Uh, well i have some travels i'm speaking to clemson softball next week and going to be working um with some some people in that area in south carolina i am doing um an event in michigan um with fellowship of christian athletes and in ohio Mm. in march um probably some commentating as well um Outside of what I've done in the past with ESPN in postseason and Westwood One Radio, Um, now I might be doing some commentating potentially at some championships um, for a different conference. So I'm not going to say it yet where it is, but that's in the works potentially.
1: Um,
0: And then just even last week, I just met uh, a young woman who is very well connected in the business and faith world. And um, Mm. I'm excited to talk to her to hear what she knows, because I feel like that connection could literally lead to a whole nother door opening of opportunities.
1: That's great. That's great. How can folks find you, Leah?
0: They can find me on my website, leahamico.com, L-E-A-H-A-M-I-C-O, leahamico.com. On Instagram, Leah20USA. I am on LinkedIn, Leah Amico, again, A-M-I-C-O. And yeah, any of those places, my podcast, the Gold Standard Podcast with Leah Amico. I'm there, they could hear a little bit more again about, you know, what I've shared and just all different topics. Again, about, one of the things that I'm finding is that whole mentality. What is that like winning mentality, that successful Mm -hmm. mentality that people need and have that make a difference? So I talk about that quite a bit. Uh, Yeah, so those places, my website, you know, and social media, and then my podcast.
1: Perfect, perfect. And before we get to our final four, is there anything you want to make sure that you say to the folks who are watching or listening right now that you haven't so far?
0: You know, I'm just um, really big on figuring out what your passions are. That's the biggest thing I want to leave with people. Like, I feel like the different things that I've been able to pursue my husband, he's worked with Under Armour for, you know, 17 years. Mm. He loves sports. So for him, it was just this perfect fit of loving what he did and who he was surrounded by. Um, and then, you know, for me, all the things that I've been able to do. So Just I don't want people settling. I think a lot of people settle Mm. and they think, oh, good things can happen to those or they get to follow theirs, but I can't. And I just want to encourage anybody listening, like just ignite, reignite those dreams that you maybe have inside that you just have talked yourself out of. (laughs) I just want to encourage you, like flame that fire. And even if you just take steps and do some things on the side, um, you know, because I just think it's a joy that it brings us like we're all we all have different passions for a reason.
1: For sure. For sure. And now we come to our final four. They're just four quick questions. just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Are you ready? I hope. (laughs) Oh, well, I'll tell you this. The first question is usually the hardest one for most people. I suspect it won't be for you, but you'll let me know. I have no doubt. And here it is. Why did God create Leah?
0: To love him and to love others.
1: Folks, that should sound awfully familiar to you about something that John has said many, many times that if nothing else could be said about me, that I love God and I love people. That's what I hope is put on my my tombstone one day, that he loved God me and he too. loved people. Yes. I know that sounds a little morbid, folks. I'm not talking about dying like tomorrow <laughs> or anything, but it's, it's how my brain works. So <laughs> question number two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow?
0: Well, I'm always reading the Bible and it's always helping me grow um, as a person. Um, and then, you know, I I do like leadership books right now and, and kind of mindset, books. right now I'm not reading one in particular. I like John Gordon books, um, because a lot have to do with positivity. Um, but I, am not reading one right now, but when those come out, like those are the ones that I like to, to buy. Um, and so right now, really the only thing right now is the Bible, (laughs) but, um, you know, but I, but I'm always on the lookout for, for new ones that I can dig into.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm a very avid reader, Leah. And uh, I got into a practice about five years ago uh, of when I buy a book, I buy a minimum of two copies because I'm the kind of person that when I read a book, I get very excited about it. And I tell a lot of people, well, my excitement is infectious. And so many times I'll have someone ask me, can I borrow the book? It sounds great. Well, I wouldn't always get the book back. And it started to frustrate me. So that's, yeah. I don't know. And it took me years to figure that out. It, you would think, oh, duh, that's, sh- I should have known that. Well I, well, I didn't. It took me a long time to figure it out. And just now, that's just what I do. I buy at least two yeah. copies. I always know one is for me and one on purpose is to give away. That's, that's just awesome. what I do. I love and, it. And I, I tell this story often. There's one book I, in particular I remember buying and giving to a friend. And it's like, look, this is for you to read. It is yours forever and ever if you want it. But if you don't, if you want to pass it along because you think it's so good, do that. That book, within a month of me giving it away, had been to seven different people on three continents.
0: Wow. What book was that?
1: Oh, I knew you were going to ask that. It was a Chip and Dan Heath book, The, uh, the Power of Moments. Oh. If you haven't read that awesome. book, it is a fantastic book.
0: I haven't. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Chip and Dan Heath. Anything from those to those brothers. Okay. And fantastic reads. Everything they do. Anytime they come out with a book, I read it. It's awesome. it's that good. Yeah. I will check it out. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, question number three: What do you do for fun?
0: <laughs> Go to the beach.
1: <laughs> okay. I live in
0: Southern California. And I, it's like my happy place is um, that nice. that, and then just time with with friends. I just love you know. I love hanging out with, I love people and travel
1: anytime mm-hmm. I can
0: travel as well. So I'll add that in there. That's what I do for fun.
1: Nice. What are you most grateful for?
0: Just, just for life for every, for every day, like just through ups and downs. I know a lot of people that have gone through a lot and, um, every day is a gift. I, part of my story is my, my teammate, Julie, um, who invited me to that Bible study in college and it passed in away at the age of 21. And oh. it impacted me in such a way to realize that every single day is a gift. It's a mm-hmm. gift, and so for me, like I'm just grateful. Like I really feel like that caused me my whole life to have a perspective shift, and um, to really sure. again, like you talked about, just to love, love life, love, love every day, and then to love the people in my life.
1: For sure. What? Uh, and th- these are a couple really quick bonus questions. If someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, Leah." I'm looking for a great book to read. What's the first thing that pops in your mind every time? A book that you oh recommend with, with frequency. Is there, any, is there anything you can think of?
0: Well, or, like, or maybe I a top a,
1: three. It's like, I always recommend boom, boom, boom. These,
0: well, I, this is the power of positive leadership from John Gordon. I really like yep. that when I was reading that one, fantastic. it made me, it made me think about immediately like so many Olympic stories and really? so, or my Olympic coach, like nice. when I would hear certain things, like my mindset. And that's where I actually was like, I got to get out and share even more because as I'm reading that (laughs) book and I'm hearing other people's stories, I'm like, I have these stories, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I like that, that idea of, of, because I, I played for the best and I, you know, and I had such great leadership that it allowed me to be my best. So that, that is really, you know, one, I also look. I'm going to the ones that I have books that I have right next to my desk because they are um, Coach Wooden's pyramid of success as well. Mm -hmm. And, And I love, I got to meet John Wooden before he passed away. Really? And which was awesome. And, um, and everything he stands for. I I just know that's why he was a champion, but he did it the right way. There's a lot of winners out there who don't do it the right way. And then there's those that do. And it's like, that's what you want to just spread like wildfire everywhere. So Mm -hmm. I love John Wooden as well.
1: Okay. Love that. Uh, What podcasts do you frequent?
0: I have um, a couple different ones. I, I do, um, John Lee Dumas entrepreneurs on fire. Like I, you know, I, I do like that one to hear just Mm -hmm. some things now in this new business world that is new to me. Um, and then again, John Gordon, I, I just feel like with John Gordon, so much of his stuff has to do with leadership and, um, positivity and like work ethic and those things that really teamwork. Those are the core tenets. Like I said, um, you know, that I, that I have done. So usually it's that. And then and then otherwise, um, I, it's usually what people send to me. Honestly, really? it's it's such yeah. People will if they if they send me something, they're like, I really think this would encourage you. I think you need to listen mm. to this one. Ed Milet a couple times has been sent to me. Oh yeah. Um, and so yeah, so that's usually I don't even know what his is called, but I just know Ed Milet. was you know is the one doing it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So those are are kind of the main couple that I do.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, listen, Leah. I really, I want to thank you so much for your time today, uh, because I know how precious it is and it is not a renewable resource. So thank you for the investment of your time in me, in the show and in the audience today.
0: Well, thank you, John. It's it's a pleasure. And I'm just thankful for people like you that are just getting these encouraging messages that's that taking what we know and sharing the information that stopped, didn't it?
1: It did. That's <laughs> say all right. it
0: one more time. You want to say right. thank you and I'll just finish sure. up.
1: Yeah, we'll just keep rolling. Well, Lee, I just wanted to say thank you for being on the show. I know it was an investment of your time, which is not a renewable resource. So thank you for investing in me, in the show, and in the audience today.
0: Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the difference that you're making.
1: I appreciate that. And thank you to all of you for tuning in. Again, for those same reasons. I know it's an investment of your time. It's not something I take lightly. And so thank you so much for doing that. And we will talk to you guys next time.